Hello, everyone. Welcome to the twenty-eighth episode of In the Between. My name is Nadia, and this is Danny. And today we have a very special guest, Elsa Wong. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Elsa is a fashion photographer and the head of visual communications of Youth in Balaclava, which is a fashion collective who made headlines by being picked up by Dover Street Market's Adrian Joffe and showing at Paris Fashion Week last season. Based and they are all based in Singapore. Yeah, that's right, and we're really excited to have our very first guest on the show. I know some of you have already been asking us like for <laughs> a number of episodes now, and here you are. We present Elsa. <laughs> Elsa is also a alumnus from La Salle, so woohoo, La Salle! <laughs> <laughs> so let's get to the questions. Um, let's start at the very beginning. How did you and Balaclava begin in twenty fifteen? So it started with uh, the founder, Taufik, uh, his brother, uh, Mike, Ichen, Hanif, and Zach. So those six members were like the main, the six main members that met during their secondary school days. Mm-hmm. And actually, so Taufik and Spencer, the two, these two core members, they had, they bonded over, or rather became friends over their mutual uh interest in fashion and obviously like in a secondary school environment it's hard to find people with common interests especially at that age when they were like 15, 14, 15 so then they decided like okay like crazy idea how about we start mm-hmm. our own brand <laughs> so in the beginning it was just supposed to be like you know for fun just doing like graphics on t-shirts and mm. eventually they started to realise like they had an audience mm. and that's when they expanded the group and also expanded you know certain like pieces that they did into like you know pants accessories or even doing like zines and tapping into like the music scene in Singapore Mm, and Mm. what kind of fashion were they interested in in any particular music scenes oh at the time they were very in tune with the punk and hardcore scene in Singapore Mm -hmm. so they would go for a lot of the gigs and they would have like their friends from uh, the hardcore scene be models for the brand yeah. and also like you know they themselves would go into studios to jam so like they were really influenced by the music and the culture behind it so with that music and with like punk music they were you know very influenced by maybe let's say like Vivian Westwood and they always looked up to Calm actually mm. like to Calm to Yoji to you know Ralph Simmons yeah so it's yeah. amazing that yeah. Dover Street Market was one of the yeah, first places. I have to say, like, it's quite surreal because, like, for Taufik, he did study at LaSalle and during that period of time, he was working outside as well. So he struggled a bit with, you know, trying to balance school and also working outside, mm-hmm. trying to already be in the fashion industry. Mm-hmm. So he then realised, like, okay, let me make a decision and, like, you know, like, drop out of LaSalle. And then that's when he realised, like, oh, actually, opportunities do come. But, like, it's really, like, out of, like, pure luck. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't sound like pure luck in the sense that, you know, they've been, they have been living this lifestyle. They have mm. a lot of references. So it's almost as if that they were educating themselves outside mm. of fashion school, mm. too. And I just thought, you know, the references that they draw from are really varied. So, for example, Traitors to Society was the first collection. Mm. And supposedly in response to the Hotly Bus riots. Yeah. Um, how has Singapore history been a source of inspiration for collections and for the group in general? Mm. So for, I think for them, they at the time, 14, 15, they were like youths in Singapore. So they they were struggling to even like, you know, tell their parents that they wanted to study art. So there was already that kind of like, I guess that stubbornness and that uh, interest in what happens in 
the reality aspect of like a lot of things that you know like art is like maybe not as sustainable in Singapore. So they started looking into like oh like the history of Singapore, why Singapore the climate of uh, professions is like ve- like valued in that certain way. Mm-hmm. So them also they realized that history back then and now is not very different <laughs> in terms of like how things are run and how it works and you know like the political and social systems in Singapore. So they realized like oh students then also were deprived of a certain thing and students now also you know certain students when they are studying in school they don't have certain benefits as compared to other students. So that's when they thought like okay let's you know talk a bit about the history in the past of like the youths in Singapore to let people know that you know, and to introduce ourselves that we are not with the norm and we're not with whatever society agrees with or, like, the majority. So it's like they are looking at Singapore history to also find the other rebels of... Yeah, like, (laughs) other rebels in the past that, you know, that that exist in Singapore. (laughs) Well, the group has grown steadily since the original six-member team. How does the group decide who who participates? Or maybe you can start by talking about how you... (laughs) Uh, joined this so it was quite interesting actually because um i met taufik like in during orientation so but we weren't close at all it was just like a very brief meetup i met him said hi and then he he just at the time like he had long long dark hair and then he had like he always like drew on his like arms and everything like that so everyone was just like wow this guy is like scary because it's like new territory for everyone so like i think it was only after the first year in semester two of year one um, I knew a friend in class who was close friends with him. So then all of us started hanging out and then we got closer and then we just bonded over like, you know, things that we find hard in Singapore, like as a creative to do and also like our interest like in fashion. So then it was only after Taufik dropped out, um, they were looking for and like uh, to expand their team in terms of like doing the photography aspect of that. Because initially all of them, all six of them were just doing things on their own. So, like, at the time, that friend was part of YB, <laughs> and no longer is. But the that friend just asked, like, oh, would you be interested to, you know, go down and just hang out with that group? And then, you know, uh, maybe just talk a bit about your interest in photography. So then I did that, and then Taufik just said, like, oh, you know, how about you come down and shoot for one of our collections? Because at the time, they were, I think, launching at DSM. Yes. Yeah. So it was like, oh, come down, and then, you know, like, shoot this collection and then we see how it goes. This was in 2017? Or? Uh, 2017, yes. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Cool. But the first thing I did for them was for DSM. Yeah. Ah, for DSM. It was, we had to do like a reintroduction of like the brand mm. and then also like um, also like an introduction to DSM. Okay. Mm. You say reintroduction of um, YIB mm. and do you see how the brand might have evolved, you know? over the years as well? I mean... Yeah, yeah, I think they evolved in a sense where they realised that they could do a lot more in terms of, like... Because now with, like, social media, a lot of a lot more things can be online and a lot, a lot more things can be reached to your audience faster. So they realised that, oh, you know, we have to have a website, we need to create, like, an online zine, you know, we need to, you know, push out more, like, photographs and, like, imagery just for, like, the audience to keep up, not just with the clothing, but also with the certain lifestyle and maybe stories that they want to tell. Mm. Yeah. So okay. it wasn't so much about the clothing anymore at that time. They just wanted to push the brand more as, like, the story itself. Okay. Yeah, yeah um, and then you guys had that big breakout article that was, like, in Vogue and all the oh, different yeah. <laughs> magazines. Um, oh, photographed by Ryan. Mm. 
he is a photographer who photographed for days. Is that correct? Yeah, for yeah. days. He's like a freelance photographer, so he does. And then he followed mm. the troop around, and mm. I guess that really added momentum to everything mm. you guys were doing. So this mm. is Ryan O'Toole Colette. Mm. Is that his name? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that was. Mm. Well, um, I also read somewhere uh, in Esquire, so th- talking mm-hmm. about how you've been, um, the group has been in many kind of stories, you know, and gotten a lot of um, interest. And um, YIB's request for aid from Design Singapore was rejected. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is, I think, quite a common story, if I can say that, you know, for fashion students in general in Singapore. Uh, how do you think government bodies can better identify talent and assist the growth of local fashion brands? I think they can... I mean, I can understand why, you know, you have to go through a certain selection mm-hmm. to see, like, who you can aid. But I would say, like, as, like, someone who is behind or have seen, like, the behind the scenes of, like, the starting of, like, a small local brand, right, it actually really helps. Like, a little bit goes, like, a very long way. I mean, I do hope that, you know, like, the Arts Council would give more opportunities or more op- or would consider more of these independent brands, not just ones that maybe seem a bit more safe. Mm. Because I would say, like, for there are a lot of people who want to start up their own independent brands and a lot of people that are very ambitious that want to, you know, follow, like, in the footsteps of all these other brands in the past that have, you know, started their own brands. And I just think, like, they don't... They give up halfway because there is, it's just not sustainable. Mm-hmm. And it's not because, like, they don't have the drive or, like, the passion or the talent to do it. It's just that it, it can't survive in Singapore in this climate that we live in, mm-hmm. like, financially. And mm-hmm. has um, have you, in Balaclava, received any grants or anything like that? Any financial aid or any government aid in any, any no, way? No, not at all. Okay. So they did apply because they hoped that they, at the time, they, they knew that they wanted to stay true to themselves by not taking out a loan. They never wanted to, like, borrow money. They didn't want to take money from anywhere. They wanted to work and then use that money because mm. they know that they are so young and that is the safest, like, option to go, <laughs> to go through, to just work for the money and then, if it, then have it go to, like, whatever your passion is. And at a time when they applied for the grant, it was rejected. And obviously, it was like, it was just a disappointment because you would expect that your country would support you, you know, or like your government body, like the Arts Council would, you know, be in support of what you would want to do. Mm. And then after that, they realised like, okay, it's okay. Let's just keep working and then keep doing it and keep persevering. And then, you know, we expand our group. We we make more friends. We just hold on to this community and... Let's get through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify though: is it National Arts Council or Design Singapore that the the application was made to? Uh, National National Arts Council. National Arts yeah. Council, mm-hmm. and then was there one for Design Singapore also? Or uh, no. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I read that in Esquire though, so I'm not sure whether that was oh. like a before maybe before time. <laughs> but I know they did one for uh, National Arts Council. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm. I think that's something that um, fashion maybe suffers from a little bit in Singapore because you know I I know that my students have also always thought like, okay, do I apply to Design Singapore? Do I apply to a National Arts Council? Because it kind of falls mm-hmm. in that grey area where it's not really like design design yeah, yeah, yeah. or it's not really arts art. So yes. then we kind of fall through the cracks. And yes. I certainly have um, experienced that myself <laughs> in my applications and Danny too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's not really a complaint of like, oh, you know, nobody's like, woe is me, nobody's supporting us. But yeah. sometimes we just want that boost and then yeah. we're thinking um, you know instead of always to me anyway my observation is that instead of um, supporting things that are just non-profit um, I think part of like a good kind of fashion industry is also really like to put out um, or to support 
brands or organizations that are for profit because that's part mm. of making a vibrant scene. Yeah. Does that make sense mm. to you, Danny? Yeah. But I also think that it I mean a young brand also needs money, yes, but also mentorship. Mm. And I don't think there's so a true. lot of that. But you guys did manage to get some of that, right? Yeah. So especially with Ryan, when they I think when they first met him, he was able to guide uh YB for a bit in terms of like management because when you do become like a brand brand like an official brand you know like that makes money and all that kind of thing <laughs> you need to kind of have like very good management before you have people who are good at what they do you know you need to be able to manage a team well so I think at the time especially most of them are in national service it's a bit hard to you know be present and keep track of a lot of things that were happening so they needed to really like put their foot down and be like, okay, we need to properly assign roles. We need to, you know, break down like who does what properly and everything like that. Also, I think because when you, especially like I think for the the six founding members, it was a bit hard to like let go of the, the kind of like yeah. the the responsibility <laughs> and the certain type of like ownership, I guess. Mm, <laughs> yeah. For yeah. Sure. Well, do you think fashion school um, is necessary or has been helpful maybe for you? to contribute mm. to YIB and for the other members as well? I think it was helpful to me like uh, because I think what I learned in school especially with the marketing and branding aspect of it right opened my eyes to this part of like maybe commerce or fashion that like I never knew so I was just I was just thought like oh fashion is just maybe like photography like go to shoots and then like design but like the branding and commerce aspect of it right was like so much more important especially like in this day and age where, like, you're competing with so many other brands that exist, like, online as well. So, like, I think that gave me a bit of insight of how, you know, like, I could advise, <laughs> you know, like, in terms of, like, the visual communication side of it, like, oh, we could push this out on social media, we can do this, we can do that, that kind of thing. And for the rest, a lot of them, only, I think, me and another member went to, um, went to LaSalle, like, to a design school. So the rest of them studied, like, business or, like, um chemical engineering mm-hmm. that kind of thing like just out of fashion but they also had a very keen interest in music and fashion as like the brand grew they started to open their eyes and like tap into this world that they never thought they would tap into mm. and they learned along the way actually mm-hmm. like they would like go and do their research they would talk to people you know if like lawyers need to get involved like things with money you know things wow. with like like even just manufacturing they would have to go and like ask around and like just or read online and just do as much research yeah. as possible the learning never yeah. stops yeah the learning the learning never stops yeah. yeah I think that's something that you know um, people sometimes can forget they think like okay once you get your degree that's it you're ready for the world mm-hmm. and like sometimes there are setbacks or things that you have to find out and mm-hmm. it's just like a constant learning process yeah, right yeah. Um, in okay. the real world like a lot of things are very different because yes. like you mm-hmm. would think that a lot of times maybe like the, the bigger people, right, like, b- people in higher positions might be helping you, but you also need to remember that there is, like, a very fine line that when it's business, it's really just business. Mm. So you have to be very careful with, like, what you say and what you agree on, and you need to know what you're agreeing to. I think sure. that's, like, that was, like, the most important thing that everyone learned. Mm. Okay. That you can't just rely. easily uh, rely on and think that, oh, my God, like, wow, people are helping me, you know. It's, mm-hmm. it's always, there's always, like, it's always business. Yeah. yeah. And it's always a mutually mm. beneficial thing if mm. they help you. It's, yeah. You're sort of helping them in some way yeah. as well, isn't it? Mm. Um, on that note, what are the advantages of working in a big group? Because you were talking about how everyone is like has their role and mm. they do the different things. Mm. Um, so what are the advantages of working in such a big group? And what are the challenges? 
I think the advantages is especially let's say for my role like during shoots usually my experience in school is like oh uh, me and like and, uh, maybe this other person in the group have to like do everything from getting props to like getting equipment to setting up to finding models to concept everything but when you work in a group like this right, especially like with like the creative director and then with like the people in operations you can assign the creative director will already tell you what concept it is so a lot of things is like my role becomes more singular mm. than having like many many roles so I just get to like focus on what I actually really have to do which is producing like a good image you know not not running around thinking like okay I need to get this equipment I need to set this out I need mm. to find this model you know it's like so it lets you focus more yeah it lets me focus more and sometimes having different opinions and more opinions is better than just one yeah I think the challenges would be also sometimes too many opinions <laughs> because I think many people have many different things and especially and many different opinions especially with like let's say even design or concept or you know like how an image would turn out because everything is so visual and everything is just really like based on like when you look at it whether you like it or not so for a lot of for a lot of like the members i think the constant struggle is maybe just like having that kind of like communication like we always constantly have to communicate and like while like they are in NS, most of the guys are in NS, mm. it's like, there always is like, some sort of like, a, a, a delay, so like, but we learn to like, work through it all, like okay, like, they are, they are in army this day, so like, we will have to, you know, like, make sure that, this message gets through to them, before that, mm. it just has to like, you just have to like, adapt, I guess, to like, whatever environment, that you are in. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so, right now, how many people, are there all together? There are like, 13 members. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm. That's pretty okay. Yeah, that's pretty okay. Like, everyone is part of, like, a team. So, like, for the media mm-hmm. team, there's three, mm-hmm. me, and then two other guys. Mm-hmm. And then there's, like, the finance team, operations team, and then the design team. Mm. Yeah. yeah, sounds very well-rounded. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because there's, like, the misconception that, you know, if you're a designer, then that's it. You are the designer and you do everything oh, and that's no, enough yeah. because it's not, mm-hmm. right? I mean... Yeah. You need, like, a collective of people to yeah, get it yeah, up yeah. and running. You and cannot do everything alone. You definitely no. need, you need a team. Yeah, yeah. You need a team. And I also wanted to talk about how, um, you know, everyone brings something to the table. And also, mm. it's not, it doesn't work if everyone has the same skills. Does that make sense also? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay. So, I guess when they were... So, there was... Initially, they had, like, obviously more than 13 people. They had, like, maybe, like, 20-plus members. Yeah. Yeah, so at the time, it was when everyone was still having fun. They would jam in the studio and everything like that. So, I think when things became serious, they had to relook at, like, okay, we need to... If we are going to, you know, do this and then, like, the financial aspect comes into it, right, we need to, you know, sift through, like, the people. And obviously, there are people who are still interested and people who are not interested. So, you know, let's go through that. So, they went through that. They had a round of, like, sifting through, like like who is staying who is not staying and then this is what is left like wow. the 13 of us yeah. yeah so sounds very mature yeah <laughs> it was i think it was like a really big step for them because you know everyone went in went into the group as friends yes. so sometimes when you work with friends right there is like the tricky part of it where it's very hard to tell them the reality of things like mm. oh i'm sorry but yeah. you know you can't stay because you're not contributing anything yeah. but you know that is just how it works because if you want to like i guess be a part of something you have to bring something to the table yeah and have the right mm. team mm. so yeah. you guys you and balaclava made their your parisian debut last september um can you describe what was the showroom experience like 
Oh, I think it was like really surreal. <laughs> also because like Paris was like six hours, um, six hours behind, and Singapore was six hours behind. Right? Yes, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. okay. Was well, six hours behind. <laughs> yeah. So when we got there, we were really jet lagged, and like we had to immediately go to the showroom and then show up at the showroom where Adrian was there. The whole team was there. And we're just like, mm, yes. <laughs> was it have to be everyone's awake. first time in Paris? Yeah, oh, wow. more or less. I think one or two members have been before, but they but that was like a very different experience. Yeah, totally. Yeah. and I think especially for the founding members. It was a bit emotional for them because it was it was just like wow it was such a long way it was like four four five years of like just you know designing and then at the time it seemed like such a innocent idea of just wanting to like you know do like graphic t shirts and then now they're actually doing like you know proper garments having buyers come and see and people being interested in your brand mm. so like it it was like emotional for them to see like how far the brand has come and like how their perseverance and like patience has led them you know this far yeah yeah so what stands out most for you during this like whole showroom event i think what stood out most for me was like seeing what i learned in school being brought to life okay. because they would talk a lot about like oh when the buyers come this is how things work and you know the commerce aspect of it and like marketing and all that stuff and then i, I always just think back like to the classroom where like maybe like two months ago i was still like having lectures in like the in the classroom like talking about like the branding side of things and like all these different brands especially like with like Comme des Garçons and i was like oh i just learned this in school and i'm here <laughs> yeah and I think the constant feeling was that, like, I wish... Because we, obviously, at the time, we represent, like, Singapore to go there. And I felt like, wow, there's so many, at least my classmates or, like, other students that have just graduated. And, like, I wish I could, like, bring them with me. Because I feel like <laughs> a lot of people here are so talented. And they also deserve, you know, this opportunity to be able to bring it out of Singapore. Mm. Yeah. That's amazing. And how who was in charge of doing the sales or manning the booth? So at the time, like because all the thing, all ten of us were there. So all ten of you did. Yeah, all ten of us <laughs> were just standing around, and then we didn't know how it works. We didn't know like we didn't really know like how a showroom would work, and they didn't restrict um us from from the whole team to okay, go. Okay, so. so they didn't give you any like briefing they just let you be whoever yeah. whatever you want they did brief the main team okay. so there is like the the breakdown of like YB is like there is like a core team still the six of them so yes. they are the six main people then there's the few of us on the yes. outside yeah so they briefed the six main members talking to them about like it was more important not so much to not so much for like the media side of things but more important for like the finance side of it mm. so like because there's buyers involved and also like a lot of things need to go through about price and sizes and yes. you know where like the the brands would go in terms of like the yeah. stockies and everything like that. Yeah. And how does that collection lost in transit mark a departure from what you Clava has done before in terms of a collection? Mm, so for this collection you Clava it was the first collection to launch like the main line. Mm. So they will have like the main line using Clava which will focus more on like um like with the how do you say it? like couture not really couture but like more ready to wear more ready to wear pieces yeah instead of like because previously what they had done was uh, just graphic t-shirts for mm. DSM and it was just like collection after collection of graphic t-shirts so they were waiting for this showroom to actually launch their ready to wear collection so mm. it was more like 
you know, there was like jackets, uh, pants, yeah. uh, long sleeve. And you had mm. a special textile treatment also, right? Yeah, so I think one of the garments, uh, one of the designers, what uh, Delvin, what he did was like he, he was in army. He's still in army, but at the time he was very like into army wear, like all the, the bags, the shoes, the pants and everything like that. So what he did was like he used the, the bag, the army bag that they would use and he cut it up and he used that whatever pattern there was to make it into like this cargo pants. Mm. So that was one of it. And then another one was like they went to, because I think it's the first collection, so they were very excited as designers. <laughs> they went around sourcing like different fabrics. I mean, obviously not knowing that um, sometimes in terms of like manufacturing like the fabric cannot get again <laughs> like you oh, can't get okay. the fabric anymore so they were they were just super excited they got different kinds of fabric they all put it into the collection and and even though I think I have to say like it seems like we have like there was like a very big like milestone for us but even after that milestone right there's things like a lot of things that we learned after that like um delivering what you promised to yeah <laughs> delivering what we promised and also like in terms of like having a cohesive collection that's one mm. and like also, I guess the most important one was, like, being on time. Like, being on time is, like, really important for, like, everything. Attendance, yeah. attendance. Yeah. Students, do you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, just wanted to sneak that in there. Um, well, you mentioned that, you know, there were some things that you learned after. Was there any big mistake, you know, that, you know, you, you guys wish you didn't make? I think not so much mistake. Maybe yeah. just things that we we should have known okay. earlier. So maybe, like, let's say, even for, like, the media side, right, there's certain, like, collaterals, like, maybe, like, lookbook or, like, mm. you know, just, like, um, name cards or, like, even, like, pamphlets for them to, like, just know more about the brand. All these things should have been, like, done, like, way beforehand. Mm. But obviously, like, we didn't know, like, how the scale of the showroom and also, like, what was necessary and what was not necessary for, like, the brand to spend money on. Mm. So, you know, obviously, like, for showrooms, it's much different from, like, presentations or runways where you don't have to, like be like you don't have to glam it up it's just really just the clothes and the bias that's what it really is yes yeah and they keep it they keep it that way Mm. yeah Mm. well anyway you are now stocked in 35 stores in 10 (laughs) countries maybe even more now uh, than we were we found out what do you think is the appeal of the brand to buyers one appeal that we learned of Mm. because I would say we were quite shocked and overwhelmed that so many people like all the uh, so many buyers were interested in us like in, at the showroom especially like international buyers and I think one thing was that they were very interested in our story so whenever they come to meet us they would first ask us like oh where are you guys from so mm. we say Singapore and they're like oh so you're from like Asia and we're like yes <laughs> so I think one thing is that they're very interested in like this big group of people that come <laughs> from Asia and it seems like it doesn't happen very often and then they would ask about the story like oh um you know, who are all the members? So then, you know, they would introduce, like, oh, actually, some of us are in the army. And then they would be even more shocked because they're like, wow, y'all have to go to the army. Y'all are, like, you know, like, seven, like 18, 18, 19-year-old boys. So then, like, then they would explain furthermore. And then it just becomes, like, they realise, like, oh, it's a very unconventional group of people that came together. Like, people that some, mainly, that like maybe two people did fashion. Then the rest of them, like, just came together because they had a conversation of their mutual interest over fashion. Yeah. Yeah. And also, they really like the garments. <laughs> yeah. That's good. So it comes mm. down to the garments. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think is the special sauce uh, that has helped YIB to achieve the milestones it has so far? I think staying authentic. Because if you do stay true to your story, right, I do realise that because 
Taufik is he knows the story best and he's the one that always you know with any interview or with any uh, coverage that we have he would be the one you know like kind of explaining the story so he always I think one thing I realized is he always mentioned this idea of being authentic and staying true to yourself because you don't have to like fabricate or try to like spice up like your your or origin story like mm. you just need to kind of stay true to yourself and you know like just tell people who you are and come as you are and you know if if people like it people will like it and that's how like I think it got them this far yeah and how do you envision YB evolving in the near future like what are the plans you know for the rest of the year <laughs> I mean I know yes coronavirus mm. everything but yeah. okay, oh the virus us, is so bad <laughs> tell us about the plans that you guys had made before you know, so, the pandemic, mm, mm. and then now, like, how things have changed, I guess. Yeah, so I guess after the first Paris showroom, mm. it was it was a huge change, because then, like, they would be following, like, the fashion seasons. So, like, they would have to do, like, a collection, like, every four months. Like, okay, one collection is done, now next four months, we work on the next one. So it was, like, a it has to be, like, a constant cycle of, like, non-stop working. That was, like, the plan. And they were, ve- they were very excited because they were like, okay, like, now we know, like, all, like, our faults, what we did wrong the first time. <laughs> now we have to, like, even do even better because there's, like, so much at stake, yeah. you know, and there's so many people watching. Yeah. Mm. And now with the virus situation, obviously, like, the whole fashion world is uh, a bit shaken up. So, like, a lot of things have to change. Okay. <laughs> and, like, I guess, like, just, like, future plans is we just gonna keep pushing and then keep like pushing stuff online as well just to make sure that you know it keeps like the brand alive and that people just keep being aware of like that the brand is still there you know actually what you said earlier about how people are watching I really like Mm. that because I think um, for some of our students right they don't ever get things off the ground that first time you know and it's Mm. always like oh I'm just gonna like do my mini tiny efforts and I'm Mm. not gonna like just push myself out there Mm. because then it kind of gets stuck I think it really is a lesson in how it doesn't have to be perfect right I think that's what you've been throughout mm. you, have, you have to be authentic and it's really in putting yourself out there and trying it out that you realise okay I'm doing this thing good I'm yeah. doing this thing not so good but mm. then you keep improving Yeah. and you know the fact that you're out in the open makes you accountable for mm. what happens next mm. so yeah. I think yeah. that's really something to, to keep in mind I mean not only for our students I guess it's like a life lesson almost yeah. Yeah. but I think also when we think about everyone's watching you can also see as like I have young students in level one who are naming you in interviews and yes. like being very proud <laughs> yeah being very proud yeah. that uh, Singapore collective that's very independent it's not like a you know com- very commercial rate where brand has made it out in Paris and mm-hmm. you guys were in Dover Street Market and like they look up into these images and into the lifestyle you guys are portraying and they and they believe in it and they love it and they mm. are very inspired by it so yeah. maybe you're gonna inspire the next yeah generation. yeah oh my god i'm glad i'm sure like you know the the rest of them will be really happy to hear this because <laughs> i think for all of us we're still just like we're just really about the work and we're like okay yeah. we need to like do the work properly and then make sure that it gets to this place and that yeah. place and all that kind of stuff like a lot of like internal things yeah but i do realize that it was only after Paris that I think a lot more people locally like pay attention to us because yes. before that before that like there was not so much support locally from like towards like the brand and that's where like I think it took like a longer time to get to maybe where it is and like even when we were discovered and when we go into Dover Street Market it was from someone outside that came into Singapore and you know yeah, yeah. 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 so I do realize that you know 
don't I guess one is like I think don't wait for permission don't wait for like a green light to like always want to do things and like finding like the right time to do it because I realise that nowadays things go very quickly and you just need to step on it if you want to do it and also like the community here is really small so you do have to like support one another and just make sure to take care of one another you know and nurture one another because at the end of the day like a community is stronger Mm. Yeah. yeah So, do you think your formula for success is replicable for YB? Like for others. Mm, for others. Yeah. Like for, you know, all these, mm. like, um, mm. all these younger designers or, you know. Yeah, like, definitely. Mm. I feel like if you, if you work hard, if you put in the work yeah. and you continuously, like, you know, meet the right people, you persevere, you make sure that, like, you know, you just keep pushing. Eventually, when an opportunity strikes, right, it will, it will be a big one. And you just have to make sure that you're always aware. And ready for it. Yeah, and ready for <laughs> it. You know, don't don't be scared and don't feel like is you're undeserving or like don't also don't be too over your head. Like, you know, just make sure that <laughs> you keep a balance of everything. Yeah. 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 I also think one of your strengths is that you do have so many references and you're yes. as a collective inspired by so many different things. Mm-hmm. I think that's also something that's really important, you know, to also get out of your own head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um mm-hmm. and yeah. And maybe if, as a last thing, personally, as you you are a fashion photographer, so how do you do? You have any advice for other young creatives who would work in the freelance industry or who are gonna graduate and go mm. into this fashion industry? Yeah, I say don't limit yourself because I think back when I was still in school, I was still like very wide eyed and like <laughs> I think in year one, year two, I was just like I'm gonna be a photographer and that's all I'm going to do. But after a while, when you work with different people and you work on different sets, especially for shoots, right, if, you're, if you are interested in photography, you do realise that there's a lot of different aspects to it. And I think keep an open mind to learn all these like different aspects of different things. Like with like, it could be set design, it could be lighting, and you might find your strength like somewhere else. Or you could be, you know, have strengths in multiple things. And I guess like, especially for photography now, it's a bit saturated because of what's online. Like, with Instagram, mm. there's so many references to look at. So, I think you also need to know, like, if you're going to look for references, you know, try to look for it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, look for it on somewhere that might be a bit where there is, like, less traffic. Like a book, a physical Yeah, book. <laughs> like a book, you know, you read a story, or, like, you know, you look out the window, or you look at trees, and then you are yeah. inspired, yeah. Watch a movie, go to the museum, mm, yeah. see an exhibition. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not everything like is on Instagram. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but otherwise, just keep an open mind, and, like, you know, knowledge is endless, so just try to, you know, learn everything and be interested in everything, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. That was really interesting for both of us and for me and Danny and I'm sure for you guys as well listening in um, we are so happy to see how far youths in Balakava have have gone and we are proud of it um, as part of the Singapore fashion industry woohoo <laughs> um, so if you like what you listen to please subscribe to In The Vitrine on Apple Podcasts Spotify and Sound- or SoundCloud and you can find out more about what we talk about on our Instagram feed at In The Vitrine. Thank you so much for listening. Until the next time. Bye. Bye.